This week's one-off, The Sopranos, Season 3, Episode 11, Pine Barrens. I feel like there were a few moments where they tried really, really hard not to say Russian Rambo. <laughs> like, there were moments where it was like, just say Russian Rambo. That's what you're trying to say, is that he's a Russian Rambo. But they kept saying things like, it's like a Russian Green Beret. I'm like, just say Rambo. Russian Rambo. And maybe the alliteration was too much for the writers, and they were like, we can't have them say Russian Rambo. Or maybe it was a copyright thing. I don't know. But did you notice that? Well, I didn't notice that specifically. Uh, like, I think I think you're reading a lot into into the scenes. Like, I don't know if anyone was thinking about Rambo specifically. They literally say... The, this this guy's like a like a effing Russian green beret <laughs> instead of Rambo, which is what we were all thinking. I don't know. I mean, overall, I thought this this television show what, what was this show racist against Russian. I would say that the Russian was the coolest character on the entire show. Oh, so it wasn't. <laughs> I well, I mean, I think it can still be racist, but yeah, I, I think so too. I like I. He was the only character that I was really rooting for in in the entire episode. Where I'm just sitting here going, I want this Russian guy to win. Like I don't know what I want him to win, but I definitely think I would watch an entire series about like following him after the events of this episode. Yeah, well, they did. I think that's what the plan was. They didn't kill him. That's true. They didn't kill him. So you know, we're gonna. I mean, someone is going to find out what happens next to Valerie? I don't know. I don't remember his name. Cool Russian dude. Who? Cool Russian dude. Yeah. R- Russian Rambo. Can we just call him Russian Rambo? Okay, we will call him Russian Rambo for the purposes of this episode. Because <laughs> he, was, he was a fun character. The, the other thing that I, that I got to say about this is that Quentin Tarantino has spoiled me. Yeah, I totally I know exactly what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah. Tell describe the or tell me what you're about to say cuz I thought the exact same thing. Cuz Vincent and Jules are much cooler gangsters than whoever these two dopey mobster wannabes are. Like there was uh, yeah. there was nothing fun about these characters. They were they were they were your below average gangsters. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't like them. No, well, it's, it's, they were just, they sucked. <laughs> well, you know, it was the, the scene where they go into the Russian guy's house. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this feels kind of like a, you know, not Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Pulp Fiction, <laughs> like, where they weren't, the, the dialogue was not as cool as Pulp Fiction in any ways. But you could see, like, and I was wondering, like, were the writers, when they wrote that scene, they were thinking about Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. They must have, because that was such a pulp fiction. You can't not be writing a scene like that and go, hey, guys, this sounds a little like pulp fiction, right? Like someone's going to point that out. Uh, and they, But they didn't go 100% because they, they're not Tarantino. No, well, this is the thing. Like this episode felt to me like a cross between Fargo and, and Tarantino, but with none of the good parts of either. Yeah, Far- Fargatino. Fargatino, as it's known uh, on the internet. Yeah, it's a term we have. We use it all the time. 
<laughs> but like comes up more than comes up more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> but like the the thing about the these mobsters is they don't have any of the lovely charm that you have from the Coen Brothers characters, like the folksy mm. sort of. Uh, Yeah, the fun folksiness, and it has none of the cool that oozes off of Tarantino's characters. It's it's as if these are characters out of a bad version of Goodfellas or something like that. Yeah, and I I, I think that was maybe the design. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's fair. I get the, the distinct impression that these mobsters are... Like it's kind of showing you, oh, mobsters aren't cool. They're they're just people. Yeah, and flawed and flawed and and terrible people. Yeah, but I don't know. I I don't watch I don't watch gangsters to see gangsters, you know, running around with only one shoe in a way that isn't farcical. Like that's the other part of it. Like the Coen Brothers would would definitely have a mobster running through snow with only one shoe. That's totally plausible for them but it would just it would be fun to watch the characters would be likable or despicable yeah i i mean i was so so uh, i've never seen the show before i assume you haven't either that's no part of the fun of this podcast <laughs> but i i don't think any of the characters are likable yeah and i think that's part of the show is the the sopranos and the, the family and stuff and like how none of them are good people or good characters or nice like like uh, maybe you're supposed to like him, but I don't. I don't think you were, because like Tony Soprano. Like how many, how many people is that guy dating? That's a good question. Like I, I, I just kept getting surprised by another relationship, <laughs> and I was like, man, this guy's like the Tiger Woods of mobsters. Everywhere he goes, he's in another relationship, <laughs> and it's just gonna cause so many problems for him. And flirting with his therapist, like, yeah, talk about talk about really damaging, you know, any sort of healthy relationship with recovery there, man. Yeah. And, you know, it so it made me think of a larger theme in television shows. Mm -hmm. Can we can we take a sidebar here? Definitely sidebar. This theme of like when when a television shows on the air for long enough, because this is season three, I think. Yeah. So like when it's on for long enough in order to keep the complex stories happening men always end up having affairs hmm. right like mad men is the same thing or like mad men is like is is what's his name from mad men ever not having an affair okay yeah I, I having not seen any bad men but i know the character of don draper and yeah that's don draper thank you i think he's always having an affair and i think it's it's weird like in this sopranos is like he's having affairs on his affairs like there's so many affairs happening and it's like and it's just sort of like a is it is it like like in soap operas too you know when they've been on the air for so long like everyone's having an affair with everyone and it gets really complicated and i think like just with shows that go on for this long they have to eventually start doing that uh, well th- and this is the thing like i and we're three seasons in coming in late i get the impression that this is kind of the norm for this character and I, and I think you're right. It's really a common sort of trope in dramatic television for that. And even when that's not the case, you know, the idea of the affair is ends up being an important plot itself. And I'm thinking of something like Breaking Bad, where, uh, you know, they they never stray into oh Walter Walter's having an affair on it with uh, against his wife and blah blah blah. But they do they do raise the question of it with his wife, and it, it I, I think you're right that it's a common trope. 
Oh, so I've never seen Breaking Bad, but she thinks he's in an, having an affair? Well, yeah. You know, instead of him being a... Mm. She, like, she she doesn't think that he's a drug dealer, because why would she? She thinks he yeah. has a, a secret life with some other woman. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's like, so, So I mean, I mean, in this episode, there were two affairs <laughs> yeah. on two people who both happen to have the last name. Same last name. It was very confusing. Very, very complicated familial relationships. Part of part of the weirdness is like not knowing all of these characters made it made it harder to keep track of. I'm like, so she's a soprano and she's the daughter of him, even though mm-hmm. their stories seem to be completely unconnected from each other. She's at college. She's at college. She was in a dorm room. Come on, man. Totally, totally. But I, I <laughs> in watching a Fargo-esque episode of television, I did not expect a side plot about a sick girlfriend. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I was nice. a little... Yeah, I did. You did? I did. Yeah? Yeah, I, I saw that coming a mile away. <laughs> I was like, next scene's probably going to cut to a college campus where, yep, they're done. <laughs> man, you, you're, you're spot on with your, your HBO watching. Yeah. But man, her boy, her boyfriend was creepy, right? Yeah, like a weird, slimy, just like like over the top slimy, like his his like. I mean, we don't have to, unless you want to. <laughs> it's like she clearly no, said no, no, she doesn't I, want no, no, to. No, I'm sick. No, I was I was joking. Unless I was joking. Unless you want to. Unless you, wanna, yeah. unless you really want it. Unless you want me to not be joking. Uh, no, no, I'm sick. Okay, yeah, I understand. Unless you want to, <laughs> just so creepy. He's definitely that asshole who pressures his high school girlfriend into having sex before she wants to. Like yeah, it's... he was he was terrible and uh, and a horrible Scrabble player. That was see when I first saw that Scrabble board, I I I actually just paused the the episode and I just started writing about how terrible it is to play Scrabble with children because mm-hmm. I don't know I decided that that's what the the scene was going to be about. It was going to be like yeah. Tony Soprano playing Scrabble with one of his kids or something. Uh, and I just went off on it, and then and then they're both you know twenty uh, somethings playing Scrabble, and I was yeah. I was disappointed. Yeah, well, they were just bad Scrabble players. Well, like she was opening up the board in all kinds of ways. Oh, and huge, just... huge open of the board where oblique, like huge. What a dumb move! Save those letters, babe. And and no, and no two or three <laughs> okay, letter I, I, words. I, hold on, I don't know why I said babe there. I, I was just gonna ride like was, through I the was, sexism. <laughs> I was in the creepy boyfriend character there, like what he would say if if I was him in that scene. I'd be like, "Whoa, save those letters, babe! Don't open up the board." Uh, that that's where that came from. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I just, I, I didn't. It, it was funny seeing Scrabble pop up in the middle of the episode. Yeah, and and uh, and terribly so. Well, and and that's the thing. Like I, I have played Scrabble is one of those games that I won't generally play in a relationship anymore because like what's the point of playing if you're not going to play aggressive and competitive yeah no i i agree i I don't play scrabble with very i I play it with very few people in my life yeah yeah because i'm i'm a two-letter word uh like scoring lots of points kind of making a square on the board yeah kind of player to like block things off and then and never open up kind of play i'm very defensive well and and that's the thing that's that's the way to play the game because if you're aggressive in opening up the board you have no idea what's coming at you whereas you know at least you can control and have them your opponent rely largely on luck yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like i mean her playing the word oblique is the exact problem people have with scrabble is that 
it feels good to spell a good word, yep. you know, like to put a good word on the board. Yeah. But that's not how you win. You win with points. And so she was playing the like, let's make a good word game, which is what Scrabble looks like it's about. <laughs> but that's not what it's about. Not, yeah, not at all. It's about winning at all costs. Yeah. All costs. The thing is, it's that's like a 60 some odd point word, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, she did good. Yeah. She did good with it. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, it was a triple word score, too. So it was probably like what, like 40 something. Yeah, but like it's you know play play the game impressively. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's what you you do when you're sick in a college dorm. You you play Scrabble with your creepy, slimy mobster boyfriend. Yeah, which I gotta say, like he he was worried about how Tony Soprano would feel about him uh, him cheating on his daughter, and it's like, well, T- Tony Soprano's shitty with his wife. You know, I don't. Maybe people in glass houses aren't gonna throw stones. He would though. He would. That's like sort of a mobster. Uh, sort of. I, th- I think it's a cliche now in mobster films or f- stories that they do things that are terrible. But if you do something terrible to their family, they'll kill you. Hmm. All right. If you do it to anybody else, whatever. But if you do it to my family, I'll kill you. Hypocrites, I say. Hypocrites. Yeah, a lot of hypocrisy in mobster films. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Was Was there a, a Robert De Niro movie where he went to to therapy? I think there was with Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that was like, I wouldn't call that a mobster movie. <laughs> well, but wasn't he a mobster? Yeah, but I think it was more a comedy. Well, um, that about Robert De Niro going to therapy. Yeah, analyze this. I think it was called. Right. I think it was so successful they did analyze that as well, which was a sequel. Yeah, not to be confused with anger management, which was uh, an Adam Sandler and uh, Robert De Niro movie, where they were like two people with anger issues. <laughs> I can only assume. Yeah, must be, must be. Yeah. So, okay, so <laughs> let's get back to this show. <laughs> right. Lost in the Woods. Yeah. It was a nice, it was a nice, uh, I, li- I like that as like a, a premise for a show. I thought that was really nice. And I like that as like a, I think that there's a theme in storytelling that goes back forever. This idea of people being lost in the woods and not being able to find their way home. And they did it. I think, I think having Russian Rambo maybe in the woods alive was a nice sort of setup for that because now they might be getting hunted and they're the people versus the environment kind of stories it was very i thought it was very i thought it was a very cool cool idea i love those i love, I love that kind of story i i agree i think it's a fantastic idea but i think if you're going to do it you kind of have to have the courage of your convictions in it and mm. you're you're right to point out the russian rambo but that was that never really ended up being a pressing threat you know and the the antagonism that they had with each other never ended up really being that pressing in any sort of meaningful way well i mean he eventually pulled a gun on him that was pretty good yeah but then they just started laughing like it was like the tension in the episode was always these two idiots are lost in the woods in a way that seems weird given given the kind of context of the environment that they they were in like, yeah. if you're going to be lost in the woods in a in a TV show, you, there's, I mean, there are some structural problems with that in filming a television show in the snow in the woods. It wasn't at all snowy, so why couldn't they just follow their foot tra- footprints through the snow? Yeah, that was a weird. But they did they did do that right, and they walked in a circle because they followed their footprints in a circle, and then now they're now they're screwed. Yeah, but it just like it. it 
like getting to that point it's just like it's pretty easy to just backtrack your foot footprints in the snow i don't i don't understand how you guys got lost it's a bright beautiful sunshiny day there are mm. there, there's nothing yeah about. and and so you're you're just watching you're like are, are these guys just dumb like really well, dumb? i'm gonna i'm gonna defend the show for a second because they did do a pretty good job of of justifying how they got lost which was that the russian guy ran and they chased him and they didn't know where they ended up, right? Because they ran so far. And he also, one of them got a concussion. And so they were a little shaken and dizzy and ran off of the path and went to find their way back and ended up going in a circle. But they're knee deep in snow. Like, the, yeah, the, yeah. H- how, do you, how do you mess that up when you're, when you're clearly, there's a trail. It's a trail of breadcrumbs up to your knees. Yeah, what I wanted to know was how the Russian guy vanished because that was pretty sweet. Yeah, that that Russian, like I said, that Russian guy could be an entire episode <laughs> or TV show, like him yeah. just hiding in the trees, striking at campers. Yeah, I think I think what what I what this is what I would have liked to have seen is that the whole show was the the beginning was them going to get the money from the Russian and talking with Tony, mm-hmm. and then uh, the 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 S H I T hits the fan. And then they go to the woods, and then the whole rest of the episode is just them in the woods. Yeah, one hundred. And we don't cut. We don't cut back to anything because I think that was the part that that I think like if they would have left it all just in the woods, and we only follow these two characters in the woods for the whole episode, then we feel lost in the woods, and then we really do get this nice uh, that that theme really really sets in because the fact that we kept cutting back felt like we weren't really lost in the woods, and they were stuck in the woods, and and. And yeah, and it's the the putting us in the woods with them that I think would have helped carry that story a little more. Well, and and the thing is, like Tony Soprano's story is kind of boring in this episode compared to the the idea of you know these these two two guys who don't know anything about winter being trapped. Yeah, and I would have loved to see their kind of their slow descent played out longer. You're right. Yeah, and it is the 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 foibles of a serial storytelling thing where you ha- you can't abandon some of your characters for that long right that's a that's a very courageous move to do as a storyteller mm-hmm. to like hey guess what everything you're used to seeing you're not going to see that at all in this episode <laughs> it's totally different like i think uh i think master of none does that in season two mm. uh, i haven't actually watched it but they have an episode that doesn't follow aziz anzari at all yeah yeah and it follows some other people in the city like like that's a very very hard thing to to sell to your audience and to sell to your producers too so i think they would have had trouble doing that where we follow these two characters that nobody really likes in the woods for a whole episode that might have been a little hard to sell well but that's that's the thing about this that was so startling startling is too strong a word for me but this is an hbo show and i guess this is not i mean this is the beginning of the kind of hbo renaissance i guess this is around the time of the wire Sure, yeah, you like the word renaissance. Use it as much as you want. <laughs> but, I mean, it's HBO's now in this Game of Thrones world, and they're, they're doing something very different. But at the time, like, HBO wasn't bound by any sort of conventional television rules. They could do what they wanted, and they could tell the stories in the way that they wanted. And I think that big, bold choices, like just following these two characters... throughout this entire episode would have been exactly the kind of bold choice that I would have expected from HBO and not from your typical network television executive. Mm, Yeah. 
I, I mean, I guess, I guess, I see, I see why they didn't go that route because of like the theme of the show of uh, of that episode of like because it was all about lying, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I mean, maybe the whole show is about lying, but this episode was definitely centered around different kinds of of lying to people. Tony was lying to his wife. Uh, the boyfriend was lying to Tony's daughter. Uh, the the captain. The Capitan, Cap, Cap, Capo was lying to Tony about what happened. Tony was lying to the Russian guy. Like, everyone was lying to everybody all the time. And so it was kind of like the theme of it. So having the just them lost in the woods would lose that that theme of, of, of deceit to each other. Yeah. So I can see why they wanted to have it cut back to other kinds of lying things, you know, uh, to, to sort of help flush out that, that theme. That's the only reason. That's the only thing I could think of, like, why they didn't just keep it all completely in the woods. Yeah. These two aren't main characters. Or, or I mean, maybe they're main characters, but they're not They're not Tony. And they're not mm-hmm. the immediate story around Tony. I would be surprised if there were very many episodes early on in the series of Sopranos that didn't center around Tony and his uh, whatever's going on in his day-to-day life. Because it's hard to make that move. Especially when you have uh, Gandolfini as... It's it's Gandolfini, right? He's Tony Soprano? Yeah. Yeah, when you have him as your actor and then these other two guys who may be fine on their own, but they definitely don't have the kind of charisma and stature of, of someone like Gandolfini. Yeah, because people are watching the show for Tony Soprano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I do love this idea of like... The classic mobsters taking a guy out and making him dig his own hole, uh, and how it goes horribly wrong. I th- I thought that was great, and I love that it was also in the snow because like those are two things you don't normally see, right? Like you see, like you think casino where they make the guy dig his own hole, yeah, and they are out in the desert usually, yeah. and this was like the opposite. It was in the snow, very very like again like Tarantino's uh, western in the snow, like it's just like a contrast, and then it goes horribly wrong. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, well, and, and like this is the thing. As far as mob stories go, this felt in a lot of ways like it was relying on some pretty standard tropes, you know. Mm. But but twisting them, but twisting them. Yeah, but but they were like you know relying on the the guy to just be dumb enough to do exactly what they say, even though they're going to kill him at the end, and. And relying on him to be dead, even though they didn't check that he was dead, and all sorts of things like that, where, where they're they're the silly sorts of, where you're watching along, and you're like, would would a real professional make that mistake? And you're like, oh, maybe these guys aren't real professionals. That's kind of the point. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, because he like just. Uh, I mean, they set up that he hates the Russian guy. Yeah. And he doesn't like dealing with him, so he was looking for a reason to to smash a bottle on his head. Yeah. So I think so. I think the lying and the deceit was a huge theme in this episode. But the other thing was was like. But I think the bigger theme of communication and how we lie to each other. Yeah. Was resonated in his cell phone always being screwed up, which I thought was so funny because then, like, that's that's like such. I remember that problem <laughs> with those old cell phones. It's it's sixteen years ago when this episode came out and. I mean, I, I'm sure cell phones uh, occasionally have that sort of problem these days, although I'm more used to, you know, shoddy Skype connections now uh, than I am yeah. <laughs> the, the cell phone problem. But it, it did feel like a weird artifact from the time period 
where he pulls out his little flip phone and it's it's connecting to some baby monitor or something <laughs> yeah and like hearing other calls and stuff and you're like oh yeah i remember those crappy songs <laughs> yeah and i loved i loved that that uh because okay because it was then 16 years ago the problem was the reception mm-hmm. right which we still deal with sometimes today uh especially if someone was in the woods their reception would probably be a little shoddy but not once did the problem ever be about battery life <laughs> yeah because back then those phones would last for like two, three days before you had to charge them. Forever. And that, and that has gone really downhill since. I, I went uh, camping this summer, kayak camping, and we were going for three days. Uh, and I wanted to have cell phone reception during that. T- or I wanted to have uh, battery for the whole time. So I brought a battery pack nice. <laughs> so that I could charge it at night. Uh, expecting that I wouldn't have any reception except in these occasional spots. As it turned out, like on these islands we were we were camping on, reception yeah. was perfect. It was mm, <laughs> it was nice. great. It was just the battery was getting drained <laughs> like yeah. crazy. Yeah. So uh okay, so there's a moment in this episode that I like I audibly gasped. You audibly okay. gasped in this episode. Okay. I went I went <gasps> Uh, and it like it hurt deep down, and I like let out a, a exclamation while watching this episode. And I bet you know when it was. I I'm not. Sh- it was near the beginning when they threw his universal remote on the ground. <laughs> yeah. What? What a dick move, man! What like, a dick move! You had no reason to do that. <laughs> like, don't put it on the charging station. Fine, whatever, but don't smash a universal remote like you don't me- like like you don't mess with somebody's technology like that you know like if someone was in your house and you had like an apple tv and they like threw it on the ground or like like had your cell phone in their hand and dropped it and cracked the screen like ah, oh, why man that's just a pain that's expensive and like i just got it and it was so new and you just threw it on the ground what a dick move and again, to bring it back to Tarantino, it made me think of the scene in Pulp Fiction where Jules is intimidating the the kids. Uh, yeah. And and he's drinking. He's can I have can I have a uh, taste of your or a drink of your tasty beverage? Yeah. And and that sort of where everything he does oozes with cool, and and he doesn't he he does it to show how badass he is, and he does it because he. He wants to intimidate these guys before uh, inevitably he he kills them. Yeah, but I mean, Jules is like eating his hamburger and drinking a Sprite. You know, it's like five dollars. But 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 like that's the thing. Like he he would never like just grab the guy's phone and throw it on the ground and just be like, "Sucks to be you, idiot." Because like that's not cool. That's just yeah. that's just unnecessarily cruel. Yeah, he it felt like a high school bully instead of like uh, what I want my my gangsters to act like and i'm sure the 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 point of that scene was to show that this guy deserves to lose his shoe and be lost in the woods and have all this pain and torture brought down upon him right like yeah by him causing it bringing it on himself uh by smashing this russian guy in the head and starting a fight but it's like the smashing him and starting the fight wasn't what did it to me it wasn't what made me think like this guy deserves everything he's getting it was that he broke his universal remote that was just unnecessary man Especially after he clearly had the $5,000 that they were coming to collect. Yeah, he gave them the money. Everything was cool, man. Why'd you gotta be a jerk? 
Yeah, why why you got to be a jerk about it? That's it's bad business practices to just break someone's universal remote and Yeah, like if he was just leaving and he was like, "Actually, you know what?" and they shot him in the head, I would have been like, "Whoa, cool." Yeah. But the fact that he broke his remote, I was like, "Come on, man. I'm now on Russian Rambo's side." Yeah. Well, and I think that was one of the hard things for me in this episode is that it didn't feel like there was a satisfactory conclusion because I didn't like that that mobster, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, no bad stuff happened to him in the woods. And the Russian guy clearly got away with their car and his money. But like that wasn't enough for me. I wanted I wanted the universe to be set right. And I wanted the Russian guy to to kill him in the end. Like that's. I was I was wanting that as a satisfactory <laughs> conclusion. Like yeah. he broke his oh. universal remote. Yeah, that would have been worth it. Or Russian Rambo, while they're sleeping, breaks their phone in the car. Like he he sneaks into the van that they're in and he breaks their phone and just leaves it there and then buggers mm. off. That would have been awesome. But it just no. like it just felt like there wasn't a, a karmic conclusion for these characters. Yeah, that would have been nice. Instead, he, but he did. He did steal their car. Yeah, yeah, and the money that he, the, his five grand. So you know. Uh, yeah, and, and I feel like it was it was part of a setup of like a now now that character the the remote breaker has like an arch enemy who's out there somewhere that'll come back. I assume. Yeah. So I, I thought I thought I thought it was fine how they ended it with that little like mystery conclusion. Yeah, I, I guess for me, it just felt like I, I was watching this through the lens of something like Tarantino or like the Coen brothers. And both of those are direct sets of directors that really have conclusions. Like there are firm endings to their uh, to their stories mm. yeah. <laughs> instead of just like, OK, everyone drives off in their own direction. Yeah. But I mean, that's television, right? Like Tarantino. Imagine Tarantino doing a weekly TV show. It's just, like it just feels a little gross to say. Yeah, it'd be weird. Oh, he yeah. might do it. You know, you never know. Maybe he's done with movies. <laughs> yeah, the the man who who buys movie theaters to keep the idea of the theater alive is done with movies. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, if there's one thing I learned in this episode, it was. <laughs> I don't think I learned anything in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there, there was no moral lesson for me. I know. I was like, what's the moral? Like, don't don't smash somebody in the head. Don't, if you kill somebody, actually kill them. Uh, if someone ends up alive in your trunk by accident, don't make them dig their own hole. Like, what, what's the moral lesson here? Be professionals. Like, through, throughout this entire process, if, if those two guys had really sat down and said, we're going to be professionals about how how we are mobsters like that's any stage along here they would have done things better mm, yeah be professional they wouldn't have destroyed the remote they would have made sure the guy was dead they wouldn't have made him dig his own hole they would have waited until uh like after dark and dumped his body in the like any number of things they could have done as professionals but instead they did it as two yoo-hoos in the woods yeah so so that's that's what they that's what they needed to learn be professional and maybe, you know, be honest. <laughs> be, be honest, mobsters. Next one off, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 10, Hush. <laughs> 